0: Hi and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way's Better
1: and I'm Mike Pybus from The Life of Pie. Welcome to episode 83. We are back on the Munda Biddy doing Northcliff to Walpole and joining us in the new renovated studio is Brad Searles from Cycles to Spoke. Welcome Brad. Hey guys. So Brad is a two-time Mundabidi end-to-ender and obviously works at Cycles Bespoke. Do you want to give us a little bit of a background about um, yourself, your mountain biking experience and your connection with the Mundabidi?
2: Yeah, um, my connection starts back in 2014. Um, I was working at Wembley Cycles at that point and was had started seeing a few writers start talking about the Mundabidi, had um, good connections with Peter Versluis, who was on the foundation board right from the start of the Mundabidi and um, watched him go off, I think, in 2012 and do the first orchestrated end to end and um once it had finished its completion so I always knew that it was there and um during 2014 I'd noticed that my shift from I guess cyclocross road and mountain biking kind of stuff started I started finding all of this bike packing stuff that had started to uh, rear its head up through social media and on the Radivist and through Instagram and stuff like that in got pretty interested and, um, asked my wife, Kiri, would she mind if I disappeared for two weeks and, uh, tried to do an end to end. Um, my sister had sadly passed away the year before and, um, I needed a little bit of a personal challenge to, uh, kind of like find myself out there and I thought it was perfect. Um, we did raise money for beyond blue that year and raised 12 and a half grand, um, wow. doing that end to end. Um, the, going back to 2015 and seeing what the Facebook page looked like for the Mundabidi and especially the website, looking at the website now and how much information you can actually pull from those two sources, mm. all I had to work with was a list of where was to get the best sausage rolls and, <laughs> <laughs> and baked goods. Important um, information. Very important information and it's information I still give give away to these days. Yeah. Um, I absolutely hated that into to end, which also mean that I loved it as well. Um, <laughs> I love a good challenge. I love some tight, two fun. I love carrying too much gear, mm. um, which is exactly what I did on that fest troop. I was basically going, going, in green had, uh, been making six or seven visits to Paddy Pallon to work out. I know everything about bikes, but how the hell do I? But do I actually sleep in the wilderness? Yeah. What am I doing? What do you mean that it's going to get to minus two degrees? <laughs> um, so yeah, that um, that trip was absolutely amazing, and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, in a sense, I got hit by um, a one in one hundred year storm going into Nanup, which was a bit of a um, an eye opener when you've got 30 people messaging you saying, Hey, you need to get off the trail. Um, and I did just that and got, got to, um, stay in a shelter for a day. And then the second front followed me all the way down to Albany, which was great. And, um, it was an aw- awesome trip. Um, the best part of that trip was finishing it up and being able to travel to the United States. Um, went over there for a month to photograph a friend's wedding, but spent an awful lot of personal time visiting bike shops on the east coast, on the west coast. Sorry, and seeing all those bike shops start to shift into bikepacking mode um was just awesome being in shops and getting told that we're closing half an hour earlier and you walk outside and there's 20 guys fully loaded waiting to ride over the Golden Gate Bridge and go camping um for the evening that kind of vibe was amazing and a part of things that I wanted to start bringing back to Perth and um that's when I came across Chris at Cycles Bespoke and he was telling me about the latest Surly karate monkeys that were coming out. And I was like, oh my God, I've heard so much about these surlies And seeing the stuff that Chris had in the store was all the stuff that I was finding throughout the States. And um, it was a really, really good place for me to kind of get into and start up a small community here in Perth and um, it's something that we did. We started up with coffee outside, so people meeting up once a month, showing people how to make coffee with all their camp gear and, and um, get used to carrying stuff on their bike and showing them how easy it was to carry stuff on their bike. I think I was in the shop for about a year and a half. Chris went off to do his first Munda end to end, and um, I couldn't bear it. I had uh, Lewis Cedor was about to set off and do his two divide um, record that year, and um, I know I needed to be out on the trail, so I thought it was time to do South to North. And um, headed out there with a uh, one in one hundred year storm front following me out of <laughs> following me out of uh, um, out of Albany, which was amazing. Pretty scary when it takes the uh, power out of three towns um, that you're actually going through, and you're supplying, you're helping, hoping to get food and supplies and stay in accommodation from those towns, but nobody can take your money because there's no power in the towns. Mm. Um, that was quite interesting. That was a fast end-to-end, end. Um, well, faster than what I thought. I had Lewis's updates in my, in my, on my phone every day, seeing that he was getting closer and closer to actually having a chance of coming first, and um, it was one of those things in the back of my mind that kind of like, all right, what happens if I pick up pace? What happens if I skip this hut and get myself to a town and stay in accommodation instead? Um, it was quite interesting And from that That kind of spurred on That whole packing lighter What can I do To make this more enjoyable From a riding sensation But at the same time Still having my routes of I will put a fold up chair will put a coffee table On my bike I will carry way too much beer For me and my friends I do love that yeah. Having that background Of knowing that a bike Can carry too much stuff mm. um, So now i kind of have settled in really nicely with um chris at cycles bespoke we help i'd probably say anywhere between about 20 to 30 people a week dip their, their toes into the Mundabidi. um i love being a part of a part of that little family yeah. that is perth people pushing mandabiddy mm.
1: mm. What I'm learning from that is don't go riding with Brad because you'll get a 100-year store.
2: Or what m- most of my friends end up saying is if, there, if Brad says that there's a good view, it means that there's a dumb hill in front of it <laughs> and we'll end up carrying our bikes. Oh, that's always yeah. the case.
1: Um, so Donovan and I gave our thoughts on Northcliffe in the last episode. What do you think of this kind of tiny little... Not even It's not even a timber town anymore. It's kind of just a, an out-of-the-way... Um, place in WA?
2: Um, Easily with um, Northcliffe as a town, if you've been to the pub, they do the best mixed grill on the trail. Um, Mixed grill, you're probably not from Pemberton. Pemberton took it off the menu because Northcliffe kicked their butts in doing (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Sorry for all the vegetarians out there. Um, But a mixed grill is basically... The who's who of animals that are around the Northcliffe area <laughs> on a plate. Um, if you're trying to reach your calories for the day, this is definitely the best way to go. Awesome. Um, the general store's perfect in there for restocking. Um, the pub's great. The accommodation there is great. And if you're trying to do a bit of a stealth camp, the uh, footy um, oval has the nice little awning if you just want to pitch your sleeping bag underneath there. Yeah. Um I really dig it. I love that entrance into when you're heading south when you're coming into Northcliffe where you go through that farmer's property and you think that you're uh, trespassing and mm-hmm. then you start running along the river and it's a really really special little entrance into what is a really really valuable town on the on the Bunnabir. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: All right, so heading south, so our first, this is a a double campsite stretch all the way to Walpole. So three kind of sections. And the first one is off to Yurikata, which is 50 kilometers. And it's just a really weird mix of farms, forests, and kind of vehicle tracks is the theme through Mm. here. Um, But exiting town, thankfully, not as painful as leaving on the bib. Probably because you're on a bike and you cover more distance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the the bib has that you know that really sandy bit that sort of is near the river, but with no river views. Um, whereas this is sort of on roads, uh, sort of through through farmland and through like back blocks. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts out okay, but it, this is uh, not a great day overall.
1: I actually don't mind the the farm. Um, yeah. Bit here because there's trees on the road that you're uh, going along, and it just feels like bike touring. Yeah. Whereas like I think some of the days up the northern section, it just feels like you're in the forest the whole time. Mm. And as much as I don't like land clearing in WA, it's nice to go by some of those farms, yeah. especially in the the winter springtime. I had
0: like a great thing where like an eagle flew over me and in front, and then veered to the right, and it was like wow, you know that's one of those things where. You can't really capture that with a camera as it's happening, mm, yeah. but would have been awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, to start with, I don't, I don't think it's bad, um, but then it gets a bit boring. Um, what I do you like? Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I do like those sections that it's like you've got 15, 20 minutes, half an hour in tight packed bush, and then you come out, and it's it, doing that first thing in the morning is amazing because as the sun's coming up, you've just got these glimmers of light you get through these dewy meadows and the sun's coming up and you're trying to take a photo and you're getting blinded by the sun mm. continually as you meander through the fields. I love that section um, past Fenrook Falls as well, um, which is you'd, you would be dropping down, got heading south, drop down to Fenrook Falls. And if the falls are flowing in the middle of winter, then that's absolutely amazing.
1: Mm.
0: Just off the track, there is uh, Lane Pool Falls in this particular section before Yurikata in uh, Burara Gardener National Park. Um, do you guys know if there's, is there parking there for
1: bikes? At the actual, because it's a side trip, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it, but it's, it's not far. Because, you know, one of the things I've often said is, you know, this is a great trail to just to do like a I guess, an explore and just take some side trips off to go and see things. Mm. But I'm pretty sure that when I went there, there wasn't anywhere I could really park up
1: which but having walked it you could ride along the trail to a certain point and just leave your bike (laughs) yeah and then just walk down to the falls yeah did you guys visit that when you were going
2: through
1: no not
0: as I've been doing it, but I've done it, like, separately. Yeah, because we um, got
1: to the bottom of the hill, of the road that goes up there, and Aaron was just like, no, am I riding He's just like, I don't, I don't care how big that hill is. I don't like the look of it. And we'd started quite late anyway in the day, so mm. that was going to be an, another little side adventure. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's worth taking, but it is a five-kilometer return walk to the falls. Yeah. So.
0: If you've got the time, like we had, I had terrible weather, like it was going to really be bucketing down. So I just was, I was not in, in the mood to go and do a side trip. Mm. Um, but one thing I'll say before we, we move on is that near uh, the falls and Bur- the Burrara tree is why it's called Burrara Gardener National Park. Um, if anyone's doing an electric end to end, there's a place called Canterbury Cottage, which is located not far from the Burrara tree. And I think that's been used by a fair few people just to get you a little bit beyond Northcliffe because uh, this section from Northcliffe to Walpole is one of the pinch points if you're tr- doing an electric end-to-end because there's not a lot of refuel points along the way. So something to keep in mind if you're doing this section.
1: <laughs> yep. Um, so from there, there's actually a really, really nice carry for us because you dip down towards the Canterbury River I just remember just being in awe because the carry forest through here is is pretty fantastic considering the fires that went through in twenty fifteen. Mm. But yeah, it's just like big thick boys, nice canopy, and because most of it's downhill leading into that section, it's more probably more enjoyable north to south.
0: Mm. But it's very straight, which I
1: think I find a bit frustrating. Yes, because what is it, it's Dean Road? That yeah, you run for so. like 12Ks and yeah. it's just up and downs and yeah. What
0: do you think of that section, Brad?
2: I'm trying to remember it from, I don't remember in 2015. I definitely remember it in 2017 coming the other way. Mm. And that was the July end to end and it was so cold that morning that I had to take my gloves off and stick my little fingers <laughs> <laughs> in my mouth to try and warm them up.
0: What time in twenty fifteen did you do it? Because that was that before the fires. Uh, no, it was no, after the yeah. fires. Okay. Fires were yeah. Feb that
2: year. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was that that ultimately blew, that blew my mind. Just getting into that that area for the first time. It was like twenty fifteen, straight after the fires, and um, seeing, yeah, just putting my bike up against a tree. And just walking further and further back to get it into framing for my camera to take it and Mm. just going, what was here beforehand? Like, what did this actually look like? Mm. I'm 12 months too late to actually work this all out. And just getting up to the hut and you could, the difference between seeing the foliage come back was just, the view was incredible, but it was also so so scary at the same time to mm. just th- try and imagine the level of heat that had gone through this place.
1: Um, yeah, so I was also having a, a hard time remembering the section. I had to look back at my photos <laughs> just because it is like it's same, same kind of it's mixed forest and then you're kind of in a sandy area and then it's more mixed forest. It kind of goes on for quite a while mm. and it doesn't really get better until you're actually at the hut yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's a really disorienting campsite to get to. Mm. Like when you you enter it, you kind of enter that ring road that almost goes around it and you feel like you're just going in a loop, like in a, <laughs> in a maze. Yeah. And then you get up to the top and you're like, oh, what is this? And you put your bike up and you start looking at the hut and you're like, eh, it's all right. And then you notice that granite rock and you're just like... I wonder if I can make it up the top before the sun goes down. Then yeah. the first thing you check when you get to the top, do I have mobile reception? <laughs> yeah, <I> do. do. Yeah. <laughs> check Instagram quickly, call, call my wife. Yeah. Um, the last end to end I did, um, I got to that hut and I was like, wicked, I'm, I'm looking forward. I've been rained on the entire day. Mm. And um, a couple had, they both had trailers They'd set up two tarps either side of the actual hut itself to close the hut off. Mm. It's like, oh, I'm glad I got my hammock here. <laughs> I have to go into the bush. They're like, oh, we'll change, we'll, we'll, we'll pull it down. And they kind of like pulled stuff back and they just basically emptied a whole household worth of goods <laughs> into this hut. And it's like, you guys are one of those, those couples that we hear about. Yeah. Um, well,
1: were you? Did you have it to yourself? Or did you have other people there, Mark? Yeah, this was... Yeah, we only stayed with people on, I want to say, two nights. But yeah, this one we had all to ourselves. But yeah, that ring road, because my uh, uh, buddy Aaron was ahead and then he had his app on the phone where he could check where he was and he figured out he could just cut from one road in and go you know, back out the way you'd go the next day. And it was raining and I'm doing this ring road. I'm riding quite fast. I was like, why have I not seen Aaron yet? (laughs) I hadn't caught up to him. And yeah, he was already at the hut because he'd figured out this little shortcut. But yeah, Yeah. it's a cool little like little section, little switchbacks leading up to the hut. And I kind of knew from Donovan's post that the the granite rock was there. And it's just, yeah, we got an epic sunset, rainbows everywhere. And then the sky's cleared so I could get some shots of the Milky Way. Um, looking west it was one of those nights that's like like, this is why we do it yeah
2: Mm. is it with the between you two is it the best the best hut with the best views
0: um be top five easily but mm. i don't know if it's the best
1: yeah I, i would probably say it's probably top two or three for
0: me i think this the side trip is pretty special that makes it really awesome Mm. Um, the views are great. There's, you know, you get phone reception, which is nice. <laughs> I think if before the fire, it would like be a definite, like top two for me, mm. but looking at, you know, you see some trees that are not the best. So, yeah, but you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great site, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Were you there before the bushfires and see what the old hut used to look like?
0: No, I've seen like what the photos of the bush looked like before it was burnt because mm. you can, it's not bad now, but you can tell that the trees, you know, basically got right up to it. Yeah. Um, so before that, it would have looked, you know, I think pretty special. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: definitely. From a hut point of view, I do like that hut. I think it's really, really well designed being the, basically that and the hut that was south of uh, dwelling up uh, um, are there they would be the latest additions, hut wise, yeah, they would, yeah. So they're the two last huts that were built on the trail. Okay. Mm. Yeah,
1: stunning spot, and yeah, if you feel like you got dead legs and you don't want to do the climb, just just do the climb, just suck it up and, and totally. get up there. It's yeah. not far, you know? yeah. It's it's mm. easier
0: than uh, Mount Chance.
1: Yeah, which is a very of similar campsite on the Bib. Yeah. Um, I mean, apart from seeing some pine plantations around, like I love that view of just, there's nothing there but nature. Mm -hmm. And it's staring out um, across like Mount Franklin area, like, well, that's my next day. Mm -hmm. And just getting excited to be like, I'm riding through that.
0: And you can see some of the planes that will be part of your next day as well, which kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, was a nice sort of way of being able to get a
1: preview of what's to come. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's great. And this is the first hut. Going north to south since before Donnybrook. So, mm. like, you're back into the wilderness and not town to town sections. So, that also adds to the, the specialness. Mm. Yep. All right. Uh, day two or section two from here. So, Carter to Kwakralup Bila. So, this is either 45 Ks if you go straight there, or there is the side trip up to Mount Franklin, which adds about 14 Ks to your day and a lot of hill climbing as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so leaving Yurikata, um, again, you're on those vehicle tracks, but it doesn't take long for you to kind of shift into another gear, so to speak, and get that awesome scenery that we were just talking about. Mm.
2: Yeah, it really does feel like you're on another planet rolling through there and almost like some council came through and laid down a fresh bike path for you <laughs> yeah. as well. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, the, the trail is like really good quality through the, I mean, it's, it's sometimes a bit overgrown through the plains, mm, mm. but the actual trail itself is awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heaps of drainage in all the right places. So many photo spots. I think mm. that for that area, it took me like 40 minutes to get through just being rained on all day, get to there and it cleared. I'm like, oh,
1: this is amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Taking heaps of photos here. Yeah, because
1: I guess like you couldn't have the pinder up plane style that you would on the bib on a bike because... <laughs> that would be <laughs> awful. You'd be pushing a, a 25 <laughs> to 30 kilo bike through puddles at a knee-deep. Wouldn't be very fun. So I guess the raised um, trail yeah. kind of is a necessity here.
0: It's quite similar to in uh, Tasmania in, on the uh, Frenchman's Cap. They've, they've done this where they've built this quite hard, compacted thing with uh, drainage through the, the trail. And it just makes walking through these sort of muddy, flooded sort of areas that much nicer. And on a bike, all the more so than if it was hiking.
1: Hmm. And then, yeah, kind of you go in between these open plains and little kind of, I call them islands of forest um, towards Southwest Highway. And then it's just a very long kind of, devious little uphill downhill section through the forest all the way Mm. to fern hook falls i
0: love this this area um i love this whole day like this would be in my top three days of the whole trail Mm. um but i love the fact that there's so much just fast down through here you know some of the hills you have you know you have to earn it um but the fast downs are just awesome like this is times where you just i just you know completely just abandon the brakes and
2: just shoot down the hill Oh, that just brought back a horrible memory. Me. <laughs> Sorry. Go and share it with us. Um, there was first, first end to end, um, a lot of rain, been wet all day. That whole section around the turnoff to Mount Franklin, the foliage hadn't been cut back and it would collect water and hang on the trail. So oh. even though it wouldn't rain... You just get absolutely drowned, yeah. mm. and um, I think my just before I got to, Fen- uh, to, to Mount Franklin, my father-in-law um, met me on the trail, and he had it he was helping with a bit of food. I was going to stay at the the campsite that night, and um, he's like, "Oh, do you need your USB battery pack?" charged i was like yeah do anything i haven't been able to charge it so i plugged it into the car You didn't turn the ignition on so you can <laughs> see what happened at <laughs> the end of that story and i'd been trying to get enough charge to get my phone working so i could call my wife because i hadn't spoken to her for a couple of days mm. and um it started bucketing down and i was like sorry john gotta go pulled the battery pack, he tried to start the car, it wouldn't start. And he's like, just get going, just get going, just ride. <laughs> and I started bombing down that hill to that to that campsite. And my phone was going intermittent um in back into reception with my wife trying to call me. So I could hear in my headphones that she was trying to call. And I was just holding on for dear life going down those hills with Just, like, mud and water and everything spraying everywhere. And I was like, this is amazing. This is so terrible at the same time.
0: I feel like this section, while, as I said, you know, one of the best sections, there's a tragedy for everyone here because you had your own problems in this and I had problems Uh, in this section. This
1: was just, like, a comedy of errors, day for me. But one thing, like, opposite to you guys is I think some trees had fallen over the track, like, a week or so prior and dbc had gone in to cut them down and shift them off the track but what Mm. they've done at the same time is gone oh it's a little overgrown here we'll just cut it back yeah and they've got like i don't know mechanical um so they've probably got like brush cutters Mm. but then they've left everything in the middle of the track oh fun so like i'm not joking like at least a couple of dozen times this day i'm stopping to pull sticks and twigs and leaves out of my rear derailleur like Mm. every time would just be like jammed you like stop pull it out it was just like (laughs) come on guys like i appreciate the effort but at the same time like Mm. it would have been much easier just to carry my bike over a couple of trees and it would have a stop a couple of dozen times
0: the second time i did this i snapped a spoke through the section because of all the twigs and that was not long before you did uh you would have gone through Mm. so i think it must have been they must have done the work already yeah um yeah not good
1: yeah (laughs) i mean yeah beautiful forest um I've got really annoyed at one point because like the downs here just seemed like they were very quick and rapid. And then you were immediately back into an uphill that seemed like a slog. It's like, just even them out a little bit. So like, you know, you can cruise, not just like, you know, full bottle down the hills. Yeah.
0: I definitely felt that the first time I did this, cause I did this proper bike packing. Uh, you know, that, that was the section that you did a day with me, mm. um, on an acoustic bike, fully loaded, and I did this section like that. Second time I did it with an electric and I was like, yeah, this is great.
2: <laughs> Who cares? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: That is the biggest question that I get asked in the shop. Uh, everyone's like, oh, the top section's just like really hilly and stuff, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, the bottom section's just as hilly. Yeah. yeah. It's just got a different frequency to it. Yeah. The, the hills are so much bigger as, as, you, as you get past, past Pemberton. Mm. But the frequency of the hills up here." just they're brutal but they're so close together mm. Mm. and the pea gravel up uh, here doesn't yeah, help of course
0: yeah. the the big disaster i had here was i didn't eat properly on this day and i had you know i had had too much like short burst sugar sort of fixes rather than proper food mm-hmm. and i didn't carry enough with me cuz uh, cuz uh, my wife was running support and was bringing things for me i was like oh, i'll be fine i don't need lunch and then I did the hillside trip up to Mount Franklin and just hit the wall and knew that I had to get there because my wife was there with food while just having no energy. Mm. Uh, and this was just the worst experience of the, of the whole track because I just had no energy. I would stop, have to like just break for a bit and then keep going. And my wife realized after a while that I, there was something wrong. But it was, like, I was literally 500 metres from the car park before she realised. <laughs>
2: yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, the whole trail's got that kind of built into it where you're, like, I've got this much water, I've got this much food, I'm going to pick this up, I'm going to pick that up. And as you start getting into that, yep, cool, I can do 50. Yep, cool, I can do 60. Mm. There's some sections that are the same distance. But it just takes it out of you so Absolutely. much, more. Yeah. And it's not even a factor of hills. Uh, I reckon it's a good factor of how many trees have fallen on the trail. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's so... You can never, ever pick the kind of day that you're actually going to have. You can mm. never predict it.
1: Mm. And a lot of it's mental too, like... I enjoyed leaving Walpole. I'm probably skipping ahead here, but like I knew that that was going to be hilly, and that was in the back of my mind. And I was just like, at the end of it, I was like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I wasn't looking forward to those hills as I built it up so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. like, this section, because it's a giant hill, like from the highway up to Mount Franklin's mm-hmm. a few hundred meters vertically but it is over such a long distance that like, it doesn't seem so bad while you're doing it, and you can kind of like cruise around and not really mm. worry, and there's a stop at Fernhook Falls, which is just wonderful. Mm. Now, I don't understand why there's a summer diversion that takes you away from there. Why not just go yeah. through Fernhook Falls all the time? Well, the part? other
0: bit's kind of cool as well. I've done both now, mm. and I think Fernhook is better because you get to see the falls, but I guess if it's not really flowing, then what's the point? Um, mm. And the other way, you kind of cross the creek itself. Mm. So that's that's probably like a cool thing that you can do that's a bit different.
1: yeah. Um, mm.
0: And it's like a little sort of secret camping spot that's not far from the crossing as well. That looks really nice.
1: Well, I mean, an option there is if you want to break this up into two days, mm. is ride all the way to Fernhook Falls and camp there. Because you can. It's a car camping spot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. really beautiful spot but unfortunately in the news for all the wrong reasons recently um yeah that poor kid that that drowned there Mm. But i mean yeah beautiful spot even if you're just a car camper just you're out in the middle of nowhere there's these beautiful falls um yeah good walk Mm. trail
2: around there Mm. good point that uh, getting asked day trips like getting asked about what a good day trips like imagine that parking camping overnight at Fernhook Falls, and then riding up to the top of Mount Franklin for mm. a day, and then turning around and not having to do a whole end to end. Imagine how enjoyable that would
1: <laughs> <laughs> be. What do you mean, with a, a not fully loaded
2: bike? <laughs> yeah. Carrying an unloaded bike up to the top yeah. of Mount Franklin. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then leaving Fernhook Falls is that just very gradual climb, but it's through nice lush forests mm. and then you pop out onto the plains again. And this is a spot where I was just like, just wow. Like mm. Looking around, you can see all the hills. You've got the king ears everywhere. There's mm. wildflowers out. It's just, just a beautiful spot in WA.
0: That second lot of the plains, I think, is even nicer than the first lot. Um, and for me and the first time I did it, the sky was just super dramatic at the time so like all the photos just look awesome through the section yeah love it
1: yeah and then like getting towards mount franklin you got those switchbacks and there's that hill that kind of never ends and mm. i was just like oh because i'd shot off ahead of aaron because i was going to do the side trip up and i was just like yeah switch back switch back another hill then I took a wrong turn. I went, so you've reached the first like major road through there and I turned left because I'd got a little disorientated. I didn't check the map properly. Went down like a kilometre. Hadn't seen a marker and thought, oh, I'd better check the map again. <laughs> required going back up a hill. And then you get to Mount Franklin Road and I didn't quite check the map properly here, realising that the turn off for the Biddy if you want to go up is mm. down that road a little bit. Mm. Um, sorry, down the trail. So I dumped all my gear here by a carry tree oh, um, no. so I could do the the climb up. And like it was the descent down Mount Franklin Road. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to go back up this again. <laughs> <It was laughs> like adding another 60 meters of vert to the day, which wasn't fun. But yeah, you learn. <laughs> but I mean, the side trip definitely worth doing considering mm. this is a short campsite to campsite day.
2: That mm. view into
0: the Walpole Wilderness is just outstanding.
2: mm Mm. I still haven't done the side trip. I'm feeling pretty lonely listening <laughs> to you guys at the moment. You're going to go again, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot faster, so I should be able to get a, get yep. a big one. Yeah. I mean, how much of that can you... from the Sorry, from yeah. the Munabidi, how much of that can you ride to Mount Franklin? Or is it basically stopped straight away? if you're just going to go to the lookout because there's
0: there's you can climb to the top and you can get pretty close to the top yeah uh just before the stairs really if you wanted to ride up there but Mm. um you know the the lookout into the wilderness is really you could ride all the way there so cool yeah cool
1: yeah definitely worth checking out because again like if you think yurikata's got good views mount franklin's Mm. just like next level yeah yeah I just got to the top and actually, no, sorry. I got to the top and then back down and rung my girlfriend to say I was fine. And there was this really obese family that I'd seen at the car park. Um, and I'd done the full loop around. And then they were just getting to the base of the climb. And like, they seen me like hot and sweaty. And I'm just like, yeah, this is on top of, you know, a 60 kilometer day <laughs> <Yeah>. bike riding. <laughs> and they're just looking at me, just like not computing. <laughs> like, what, what what are you doing? <laughs> yeah i mean worth it like it's i was stuffed at this point and just looking forward just to getting into camp um mm. and luckily as you said before this is just a downhill section mm. for the most part into camp
0: yeah yeah i was so relieved after the hell of trying to ride up to mount franklin having had no energy just being able to just fly all the way to camp oh, yeah. So
2: such a good such a good downhill road. Yeah. yeah. So good.
0: There's like one little like bit where you go up, but it's like, a, you know, like half a kilometre and then it's yeah. just like
1: whoo, straight mm-hmm. to the camp. Yeah. No, I had to check the map again because I was like, before I go down this downhill, <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure that I haven't missed like some secret turnoff off into camp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but it's, yeah. One of those campsites, like even before I started the video, I was like, this is one that I want to spend time at and really enjoy because like, been almost on the banks of the Franklin River. It's just one of those special spots. Mm. Um, definitely worth the. I think it's about 500 meters. The side trip down to the river. Yep. And just yeah, nice granite platform, flowing river, just beautiful.
2: Mm. Mm. The this- two times I've been there, that the trail down to it has been so overgrown that I actually haven't been able to get to a clearing. Oh right. Or mm-hmm. got in so far in and just going all right. I don't know where I am. (laughs) That was a long time ago, so it sounds like they fixed that up, and I'll add that to uh, next year's trip.
1: Well, when I arrived, I noticed there was a ute parked up, and, yeah, it was the maintenance volunteers. Thankfully, it wasn't car campers (laughs) going through there. So, yeah, that section down to the river and around the the campsite either side has been well-maintained as of September this year. Awesome. Yeah, it's
0: a lovely campsite. It's it's one of my favourites as well, of the track, uh, along with Yurikata.
1: So leaving Quackerel at Beeler, Um, it's a very short day into Walpole. It's only about 30 k's, but you do have a couple of hills um, that kind of kick you around a little bit. Um, the first one leading up to Swarbrick on North Walpole Road. Yeah, pretty rough. Because it's, like, it's not a bad hill, it's just it's big and it's long and you've got one particular section that's just really, really steep. And yeah. That's in the morning sun, I just said, yep. Um, I'm getting off my bike and I'm walking through here. Yeah. The bit
0: from like, it's there's a farm property with a lot of really fancy looking cows up until Underhill Road, mm. which I remember because of Lord of the Rings. Um, that bit there is pretty full on. I remember getting to the top of it and I, I wanted to do the whole thing on the bike and I just got to the top and went, I'm screwed. I just need to stop and
1: rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Brad, doing it both ways, which way is the better way?
2: I reckon each of the, both of them has their insults to injury. (laughs) Um, Definitely heading out of Walpole and seeing this hill for the first time. It's probably the most, what's the word for it? It just feels like a giant. You come around a corner and you just see this big hill and you see that you're going to have to carry all of your gear that I've told you not to put on your bike in the shop three times already, you're carrying all this gear up this big hill and you're thinking, why did I put four litres of water on my bike today when there's yeah. a river on the other side I could stock up? <laughs> Whereas the other way, you're screaming into a town that has a pub in it, I think that's answered my question. Yeah. <laughs> pub. Pub. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, and reaching the top, you get the reward of the Swarbrick Art Loop, um, mm. which is a cool little like 200, 300 meter little walk trail art installation in the forest. Um, I think it was a response to the logging in the area um, yeah. that they decided to commemorate it because otherwise really no one would visit here. Mm. It's a cool little stop. It's it's worth checking out. And Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think
0: it's a really awesome sort of side trip for the day because... You know, you're on this, this long distance cycling trail and suddenly there's a bit of art in mm. the forest, which is not normal. You know, normally they're in galleries. And, you know, I actually would like to see more pieces in here. I feel like the, for, the you know, this outdoor gallery could be denser with more works. Mm. But what is there is it awesome. Um, and, you know, I, my background was in visual arts, so I really appreciate seeing this sort of stuff um, in, in nature. Um, and you were you've actually written up as well another walk in this area that's about art.
1: Yes, the uh, the Northcliffe Understory Art Trail, which is in town, so perfect if you're an art lover to come through here and and do these two trails. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then moving on from there, it's a downhill into town. Um, so yeah, very enjoyable section. You know, there's not. Too long to go in the day, and you can just enjoy some nice cruisy riding um, past some farms through some open plains. And this starts the first of three maintenance sections that you look after, Donovan.
0: Yeah, that's right. So if you leave Swarbrick, you go past this area called Logging Road. Wonder what that was used for. Uh, and then you go down the hill past some farmland, and then you take a sharp right. And at that point is, is the start of my first of three Mundabidi sections, which is section 80 of the Mundabidi. And this is is a section that is very severely eroded due to the storms in July this year.
1: Yeah, that was fun riding past and being like, I think this is where I was meant to take photos for Donna. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's this point where there was a drain that was meant to have water flowing into it, but the water... Uh, which comes down the hill and then from the main road itself. So there's two points of of water runoff. It is basically flowing onto the road and has cut into the road. And I took a photo in February and sent it in and said, this is something that we need to look at. And they said, yeah, it is, but it's not super crucial, which it wasn't. But then the the rain in July was so insane, it just has destroyed the road. And um, last maintenance trip we did, we had to ride on this very skinny section of road that basically could barely fit an X-Trail uh, just so that we could get to the start of the maintenance section. Um, a bit dangerous, but you know we, we got through. Uh, and I think that they're going to do some work to replace, you know, to repair the road. Um, and we, we've done what we can to kind of get the runoff directed into the drain, but it's sort of a bigger project than, than we can do to fix the road.
1: Mm, certainly, cycling through it was a lot easier to navigate. I wouldn't want to do it in a car, but yeah, it's it's all right. Yeah. Um, so from there, yeah, it's just downhill into town. Some nice areas. Um, any particular memories apart from wanting to get into the pub here, Brad?
2: Um, I don't. I remember um, heading south. I basically popped into Walpole, had a quick a quick feed and then went kept going on um but heading heading north i remember this was the first town that i realized didn't have any power and um wanted to stay at the pub and uh was dreaming about chicken parmigianas and (laughs) pints of guinness and uh that didn't happen and it was Bucketing down with rain, and the only place that I could really find shelter was across the road in the near the toilet block And that little awning there. Mm. And there were some German backpackers who fed me Haribo and uh, some other other last minute treats, and uh, slept underneath there. Only to get woken up by a um, uh, a street sweeper at five thirty in the morning. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Um, that town's, it. it's really interesting. It's You almost kind of think that it's the last, it's kind of like the last of the forest before you get into Valley of the Giants and stuff, but it's, it's very different heading north from there, what you experience heading south from there, um, and especially the way that you leave. You don't really get to see too much of the coast. You kind of get to see the river inlet and stuff like that, but... You don't really see the coast until we're further on when you get, come out of Denmark Scarp. Mm. It's like you're right there, you're right on the coast, but you don't quite get to see it. Yeah, still encapsulated in all of those forest, um, forest, forest areas. Mm.
1: So even coming into town, like yeah, you cross the Walpole River and you kind of go through that little suburbia bit, but it doesn't actually interact with the inlet too much. No, which I find quite mm. weird. I mean, I
0: I like how it goes through the wetlands. I I really, that's probably of this maintenance section, is the nicest part Mm. Uh, shared with the Bibbelman. So they do maintenance through here as well. But I do agree that, you know, there could be more engagement with the coastline, but there isn't. Mm. Um, And you don't really get to see it, as you say, till Denmark, Mm. just before Denmark. So, you know, that's probably, uh, you know, a developmental opportunity for the trail. But, at the moment, it it just really doesn't, and um, it's really just forest, the wetland. You're in town. That's it.
2: Mm. I'm sure for those those riders that do end up like toning things down and taking their time on the trail, end up staying in that town and experiencing the coastal plains. And it would be would be awesome to have. I'm sure that there is on the Bundabitty page of like, hey, if you stay in this town for the day, make sure you do this. Mm. There's 10 things to do. Mm. Mm.
0: That's, I think, if you're doing like a slow trip where you're using this as a tour of the Southwest, which I think is the best way if you're not from WA to mm. see the, the area, stay in town, just park your bike up, go and do some tours. Like, you know, there's various different things you can do here in Walpole that... Would be awesome to just see the the area that's that the trail doesn't offer, but the trail offers that access point to do these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, because there's the inlet tour on the boats um, that Gary Muir does. That's quite interesting. I'm sure there's yeah winery tours and everything else from Walpole, mm. but it is a bit of a weird town. Like I have memories of it being quite nice, but then my stay through here wasn't very fun because. Two of the cafes in town had shut, and that left um, the Asian fusion um, place that's there and the pub as really the only places to eat. Mm. Um, the motel weirdly shut their restaurant. I think maybe because they couldn't get like backpackers to work in there. Yeah. So really, options are limited here mm. um, compared to like a Denmark or an Albany. But mm. I mean, they have a general store. They have. A bakery, a bakery, yeah. which is quite nice. Um, so there's enough there if you're riding through and want to resupply or even just a, a light meal. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problems are COVID related that we don't have the the
0: German backpackers. Mm. Um, you know, they're the they're the lifeblood of some of these communities sometimes. because yeah. they stay in town and they end up working for a couple of months, and that means that they can keep the restaurant open because they've got stuff. Mm. But not having that at the moment makes it really difficult to run a restaurant. Mm. Mm. The
2: whole Southwest is just impacted by that immensely, and I think it will take some time for most of it to bounce back. Mm. it's this
1: weird paradox in that everyone's now spending more time in this area, but then Mm. they don't have the staff to actually run these businesses, Mm. so not really being catered to. It's kind of weird, but... Yeah, I mean, Walpole's quite nice. It's a very compact town. you got access to the, the inlet, um, quick walk or ride away. And again, there's enough there. It's I enjoy it. It's kind of like a little time capsule of a, a mm. 90s holiday town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like unlike, you know, like Denmark
0: or Pemberton, it's it's not big enough where there's like heaps of things to do in the evening, for mm. example. Mm. But... There's a lot of awesome places that are very close to this area.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right. And while we've got you here, Brad, we're going to ask a few questions that we ask every guest. And then I have a couple of very specific questions for you. But to start with, do you just want to run through your typical bike packing setup? Kind of the bike you have and all the gear that you yeah. um, pack too much into? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so at currently, I don't actually own a bike traditional bike packing bike I've uh, I, I do swap my bikes quite frequently um, and that's due to a working in a shop and b trying to find what is the perfect bike for for WA um, if you see my tyre collection in, in my backyard you'll be horrified <laughs> as I've been trying to work out what actually works and what doesn't work um, so most of the time I do come from, well, I come from a mountain biking background. So if I'm riding riding all over the place, I do like to see a downhill and attack it quite aggressively or just relax on it. So bigger tyres are definitely definitely my friend. Um, the last end-to-end I did was a um, salsa Timberjack, um which is very similar to Surly's Karate Monkey. Um, and so that was fitted up with, uh, a saddle bag, frame bag, handlebar bag, two feed bags, um, and then just carrying water in a, in a, um, in a camelback that year. Yeah. Um, I've got a Curve JMX on the way, which I'm very excited about. Those guys been doing this kind of stuff all over Australia for a very long time and all over the world. And uh, that's going to be uh, basically Dirt Drop Bar 29er running 2.6-inch tyres. Mm. So I do prefer the acoustic side of things. I haven't c- gone on over to the dark side yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on, just to discuss, I guess, your bikes, where how they differ, because I believe you have you are riding steel bikes? Yeah. And yeah. what's, the I guess, the rationale behind that choice for people who don't have the experience of riding a steel bike?
2: Yeah, I guess that started for me... Working at Wembley Cycles, um, we're a pretty big high-end store, so whenever you um, got a new staff bike, you would put it on the scales first time and you'd weigh it, which is great if you're doing a 45k river loop a couple of times a a week. But the further you ride and the rougher terrain that you actually ride on, the alley and the carbon basically just make your riding quite harsh, whereas the steel does a lot of soaking up of those vibrations. it's also a very strong material as well Um, we have countless riders pre-covid riding around the world on steel bikes telling stories of or you seeing photos of their bikes fully loaded with way too much gear more probably twice as much gear as i would take on a fully loaded trip and hearing a story of uh a rack mount breaking off and them going to a Indian service station slash tractor repair center and getting a a getting their bike welded back together that's possible with steel and that's kind of what we love to push knowing that you can buy a bike and have it last 10 20 years and get that love out of it Um, and all those trips I also find it really really comfortable as well Um, I've got bad lower back I've got to do a lot of work off the bike to be able to do my endurance trips and um, falling in love with steel six years ago um, has just made that so much easier for me Um, the GMX is a mixture of titanium and carbon So titanium being what we call the magic carpet material, it's got a nice amount of flex. It doesn't lose too much strength to it and it shaves a bit of weight off of it as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like chucking a record on um, riding a steel bike. It's just got this warmth about it that you're not too sure about. But you ride it for the first time and I think it's just from a lot of us riding whatever we can kind of come by and riding a lot of alley bikes especially if we've started riding in the late 90s early 2000s aluminium was absolutely right through what we what we ride normally and jumping back onto steel is a Bit of breath of fresh air,
1: and I suppose riding through the Alcoa uh, wastelands, you can be on your high horse and, and <laughs> say, "Well, I don't have an aluminium bike." Okay. <laughs>
2: as we say at work, aluminiums for beer cans. <laughs> yeah.
1: Makes you actually surprised you don't have a steel bike now, Don, because you love your records. <laughs> I really
0: love the analogy. You know, as you know, I've got I've got a turntable here. I've got some records here. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can I can. I can relate to what you're saying.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I guess it's, it's, it is it's a part of appreciating so much stuff as well, like drinking nice wine, drinking nice beer, enjoying a good cup of coffee. Um, and it's things that we kind of, we want them to last a little bit longer. And that's what that bike kind of means a little bit. You see Surly riders that have they've been riding, those guys have been making bikes for 22 years And you see guys that have like had the original long haul trucker touring bike and they've done countless trips and taken it all over the world. And they just basically build a new set of wheels for it, like every 25,000 kilometers or something mental like that. Mm. And you've still got the soul and everything there and you get to take it on these awesome trips around the world. Mm. Yeah, mm. Saf
1: from, uh, I think it was Collie to Donnybrook section that we did, really enjoys her, her mm. steel surly. It yeah. seems to be like once you're a, a you convert or a fan, like you're a fan for life. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah it's kind of, they're such a weird brand. You hear about all these little stories that goes on in their factories and you meet the people that work, not their factories, their offices, and meet the pe- some of the people um, that work for them and you just like, Yeah. I don't want to be this guy in a lab coat chucking a bike into a uh, a, uh, a wind tunnel and working out whether or not my beard's going to give me drag or whatnot. <laughs> I just want you to work out how to get my how much beer you can fit onto a bike and go and have a picnic with your mates. Yeah.
1: Mm. Uh, next question is favorite section of the track.
2: Mm. Easily it's the first one that comes to my mind, Um, Pemberton to Northcliffe. It's, it's so special. It's, um, it's an easy 50 Ks. Well, it's an easy, easy, but challenging 50 Ks, but it's, um, it's just filled with so much difference between, it's like a, it's a a clip of everything that you can experience in the trail. Mm. Definitely.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think you've got, two people that will agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's almost a shame
0: that that north Cliff to Yurikata day isn't better because imagine if, like, it was three days because, you know, I reckon Yurikata to Bila is very close in quality. If it had just been that extra day was also awesome, That would be, like, the best three-day stretch mm. of the whole trip. Oh,
2: totally, totally. Because even heading north out of Pemberton is a bit of, oh, really? It's just main roads and main roads and a bit of, a bit of nothingness. It's, and then especially going through all those logging areas that it's so refreshing to, like, get to Pemberton and just get to the heart of WA Forest. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, we've got you here, and obviously you're an expert in all things backpacking. What would be kind of some top tips that you would give people who are looking to do the Mundabidi?
2: Um, they're the top tips that I wish someone gave me. Um Probably my top three would be, number one would be, you don't need to do the whole thing to experience the Monday Doing day trips, driving places, doing little sections, staying somewhere really nice in an Airbnb and experiencing sections um, is amazing. Um, Knowing that you can ride from Donnybrook to Northcliffe town to town and because you don't have all your gear with you, you can actually cover a big distance a lot quicker. Um, And probably my third tip is um, understand your sleep gear. Um, It's one of the most underrated things that most bike packers go into. We're we're a sport-based city, if not country, and our bike has to be our bed and all. Um, And I find that gear kind of gets pushed to the wayside, Um, knowing that if you can ride in the rain for eight hours and you know that um, it's going to be minus two that night, that your sleep gear is going to keep you warm and you're going to get a good sleep. That means that the next day is going to be better and the next day is going to be better after that. Mm Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, Thanks very much, Brad, for coming in. If you're looking at either getting some bikepacking experience, some gear, a bike, um, I know you guys stock some of the, the top-of-the-line Revelate and Ortlieb gear.
2: Which- Sadly... Revelate's pretty hard to come by. I know. COVID's kind of killed that, but we do a lot of restrap stuff. And we're doing um, Kaden from Queensland's bike bag dude gear okay. as well. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: I did yeah. not know this before I bought all my gear because I just was having such a hard time trying to find stuff. Um, yeah. End up going a lot of restrap strap gear, but I was kind of bummed I didn't get it from you guys now.
2: <laughs> it's all good. It's yeah. all good.
1: Go and see see Brad and the team at Cycles Bespoke out in Bayswater and they will set you up with with everything you need.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much, guys.
1: Awesome. Thank Thank you. you for coming in.
0: Thanks. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help us to reach an audience, especially those who are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or contact us through our social media channels. Thanks again, and stay tuned for our next episode.